This is Tom with the Full-Time Real Estate Photographer Podcast. Today, we've got a listener question. Joseph reached out to me on Instagram with a couple of issues he's dealing with, and I'll go through them here in a minute. But before we begin, I have a couple of updates for everyone. We're in November 2019. And this month has the first ever real estate photography event out in Las Vegas. It's called the PFRE Conference. Actually, I should restate that. There's been other real estate photography events, but this is the inaugural PFRE Conference. That's short for Photography for Real Estate. There's some really big names in the real estate photography world who will be there. Big names meaning people who are particularly great at real estate photography. I've got my tickets. I can't wait to check it out. If you're listening to this and you're going to attend the PFRE conference as well, let me know if you'd like to meet up during the event. I've got too much going on out here in Massachusetts to really take too much time off, but I'll be at the event for the two days it's running. November 20th and 21st. If this is your first time hearing about the event, you can find it by Googling PFRE Conference or going to pfre.regfox.com so you can get tickets too. This is not a sponsored post or anything. I'm just excited to go and check it out. Uh, Mike Kelly will be there. Scott Hargis will be there some other great real estate photographers. I'm excited to see what they have to say for their presentations. I will also share some information about business coaching for real estate photography at the end. You may be interested in having your very own personal real estate photography coach, so stay tuned to the end, and I'll share some more info for you there. With the pleasantries out of the way, let's get into Joseph's question. He writes... Hello, Tom. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I appreciate all the tips and tricks you provide to us up-and-coming business owners and photographers. I started my business six months ago after losing my full-time job. I'm sorry to hear that, Joseph. That's unfortunate. I've been working hard to get my business off the ground and have implemented many of your strategies that have helped me to navigate this new venture. I have a few questions for you. First, I set up a Calendly account because scheduling and rescheduling is starting to become too time-consuming as more agents are calling me. Can you explain exactly how you set it up? Secondly, I have attempted to get listing presentations as you have recommended after walking into over 100 brokers' offices in three counties, I have yet to land a presentation. I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong. I'm well-dressed and spoken. I offer lunch or snacks. I show up prepared with business cards, flyers, and iPad with my photos and video. Any other tips? One more question. I live in Miami, Florida. We have lots of agents in my area, but also lots of big companies to compete with. Some of the larger companies like OBO and VHT provide client services that add their listings to multiple websites to reach more people. I think it's all marketing nonsense because essentially MLS is a multiple listing service. How do I go about rebutting this with prospective new clients? Or do you know of a way I could implement this into my business? Joseph, thank you so much for your question. I really appreciate you reaching out to me with this, and I think I can help you out with these issues. Let's start with presentations. You say that you've gone to 100 offices and offered to do a presentation. 
You say that you're well-dressed, well-spoken, and that you have gone in prepared with some marketing material. If it is indeed true that you have gone to 100 offices, spoken with 100 people in each of these offices, and were 100 times turned down for office presentations, then something that you're doing is very wrong. Walking into 100 offices and asking to present your business should have landed you several presentations by now. I haven't had the chance to break everything down with you yet one-on-one, but you will want to look at each thing that you're doing and ask yourself, why am I doing this and can I do this better? Important questions to ask for really everything, but we're going to focus on presentations for for a minute here. Okay, let's start with the easy stuff. You say that you're well-dressed. How well-dressed is well-dressed? Are you talking about a suit and tie? Are you wearing simple slacks and a button-down? Are your clothes actually fitting properly? Are they ironed and clean? You don't necessarily need to dress like you're going to meet with a president or a king, but you do need to dress like you are a photographer trying to get a job interview. And that's one way you can think of your office presentations. You can think of them as job interviews. In a way, that's what they are. You're showing your business to people who will eventually hire you. They will give you a job, right? However, you can't just pick an outfit. You need to dress to fit the place that you are going to be. If you're walking into a tiny hole in the wall place where the standard uniform might be jeans and a t-shirt, then your suit might be overkill and it might make the people there feel uncomfortable. On the other hand, if you're going to a brokerage with some multimillionaire real estate agents in a beautiful office, the jeans and t-shirt ensemble won't even get you into the building. You want to dress as formal as you reasonably can for the environment that you will be in. In the full-time real estate photographer book, I even go into techniques that I use for finding fine clothes at huge discounts. And I really mean high-end designer brands for a fraction of the price. So I can go out looking like a millionaire, but on a Walmart budget. Uh, I've got a link to the book in the show notes for those of you who are interested in learning more. On top of the clothes that you wear, how about your haircut? Do you look put together or do you look like Nick Nolte's mugshot? Uh, How does your breath smell? I don't know about you, but if someone starts talking to me with bad breath, I'll turn around and walk away. (laughs) Honestly, most people know how to look presentable, Joseph, so I don't think this is an issue for you, but you do want to spend at least a few minutes to break everything that you do down to the ridiculous. When you're trying to meet with someone for the first time and convince them to buy from you, you really want to focus on every single little detail because it all matters. It really does. So let's say that you're looking as gorgeous as the sunrise and you smell delicious, when you enter the office or you call the office number, however you're making this first contact, are you making sure that you are talking to someone who has decision-making powers for that office when it comes to you know, letting you do a presentation? Some companies have managers and admins on staff that they man the desk, but sometimes you'll get regular agents on the desk that are taking calls. Usually the agents that are there are just there to try and get walk-ins and they can't or won't really be interested in setting you up to do an office presentation. There may even be situations where they're, you're talking to an agent there and they're super excited. They're like, yeah, I really want to get you in. But they don't actually have the ability to make that happen. 
you know, for all the goodwill that there is, what you really need is action. So if you're talking to people that are like, wow, that would be really great to have you do a presentation or I don't know, let me talk to so-and-so. You want to qualify each prospect right away. Ask them, do you know who I should talk to about presenting during an office meeting or for hosting a lunch and learn for your office? Before you start trying to book a presentation, make sure you're talking with someone who can actually book you. Once you are sure that you're talking to a decision maker, ask them if they ever even have service providers come by to present to the group. You might find that one or two of those offices out of that hundred have never had presentations by outside companies. It's fine, but it's important to know that right away or as soon as possible, really. If they do have third-party presenters come in, ask them when they usually do them. Is it a monthly or weekly? Ask them if you can visit during one of those meetings so you can share some of your work and show the agents how you can make their listings look. When you're there, you can also ask, and this is as an aside, maybe um, the optional bonus homework while you're trying to get a presentation, if they hold company-wide conventions or big events that you could potentially sponsor. Many real estate brokerages host their own events or they attend other real estate events, and it could be worthwhile to take a few notes on them. You might want to buy a spot to set up a table to demo your work, I can talk more about prospecting for business at events another time. But when you're talking to office managers and brokers, asking about events that they might be involved in is another way to potentially present your business to agents who otherwise would have never had a chance to see you. So that's that's another good question to ask as well. If you're not getting a ton of traction with office presentations, you might find a little more success with setting up at a real estate event. Let the local people tell you where they go so you can put yourself there and be in front of them while they're thinking about, you know, working with other service providers, photography, movers, whatever they might be doing at the event. So when you're going into these offices, sometimes you won't get a decision maker right away. And that's fine. Like I mentioned earlier, there could just be a regular agent that's there. Maybe they really like you and would love to work with you, but they are not able to schedule you in for a presentation. Just try to get the name and phone number so you can call the decision maker or just ask for a better time to stop by. Whenever you do this, though, just remember, make as many notes as you can. If you know that this office meets every first Wednesday of the month during your little Q&A with an agent or the admin, and if you don't hear back from them, from that decision maker, you need to call them on... If, like I said, that's the first Wednesday, call them on the first Tuesday of the month to just double check and say, hey, could I come by tomorrow for the meeting? You might find that a lot of the brokers you've been talking to would be happy to have you, but they're just so busy, they might not be thinking of you when it would have been time to call you and schedule you in. You also need to make those follow-up calls. Showing up and showing your face, like that's step one. If you want to get booked for presentations, show your business to the agents in the office there, and you don't get an appointment booked right away, you want to take note of that and you want to follow up. If you've ever worked in any kind of telesales or any kind of sales in general, you'll 
sometimes hear people say, you know, the fortune is in the follow-up. That's because people are busy, they're living their lives, and just meeting you once for like five minutes is not going to make an impression. It's going to last a lifetime. Well, I mean, usually it doesn't. I'm sure it's possible. So you want to follow up with those people and just make sure. If you've been to 100 offices, then you need to be making 100 follow-up calls on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, whatever. You want to pursue those opportunities like your business depends on it because it kind of does, right? Finally, the physical media. Uh, Do you bring flyers and business cards that you can drop off? What is the quality of the printed material? What's the quality of the look and the style of the graphics and the text that might be on the pages? If you want to leave something behind that's going to show your business for you, and if you're not doing this, I think you should. If, if you're talking to someone, whether you get an appointment booked or not, ask if you can leave some flyers, some business cards, uh, some brochures, whatever. Will the look and the feel of this material you're leaving behind leave someone feeling impressed? Some real estate offices have people stopping in and, leave, and leaving just steaming piles of crap for flyers and brochures. And you want yours to stand out as extremely high quality and pleasing to look at. Trust me, like the next time you go into one of these offices, Joseph, look around and see if there's some other flyers or other marketing material from other businesses kicking around. Sometimes they'll leave them on the front desk for anyone to see or a bulletin board or something. It's pretty obvious to see that a lot of business owners will slap a flyer or something together in like five seconds. But when you're putting this kind of material together, don't be afraid to invest some money on this. And if you're on a tight budget, that's okay. Just leave one or two things behind. It's better to leave behind a single piece of gold than a whole stack of dirt, right? So you want to improve every single thing that you can and stay persistent with your prospecting. You'll get there, but don't be afraid to experiment. Try to make your offer better. Change the way that you say it. And once you find an approach that works, stick with it. But just remember, break every single thing down to the absolute ridiculous. If you're not thinking about it, then you really should be. It's, it's hard to know what is going to make a sale versus what might actually hurt your chances of getting a sale. Sometimes it's impossible to know. So you really want to focus on the smallest details that you possibly can. How does every single thing look? How am I saying what I'm saying? If you're going in with a written script, great, you know, modify that uh, over time. If you can find something that people are more receptive to, a different kind of approach, instead of walking in saying, hey, I'm a real estate photographer, I'd like some business, you know, walk in and say, hey, I'd like to speak with the office manager or the broker. Or if that's not getting anywhere, you could even try something out of the box like, hey, I'm here to make your listing sell for 20% more or just something like that to get people's attention. Well, you know what? If you go around telling people you'll get their listings to sell for 20% more, then you you might get yourself in trouble. So you want to get creative and use your imagination and just take notes. Like You don't have to have a printed out script or anything that you're working off of. You can if you want to. And if you want to have consistent, repeatable results over time, you probably should do that. But at least take notes after a presentation you know, quote yourself or what someone else might have said, questions that people ask, you're going to find that you're most likely going to be hearing like the same kinds of questions over and over and over again. So you can just show up prepared with those answers and 
you know, you'll just look like a rock star. So none of those things will hurt your chances. If you seriously have gone into 100 offices, physically walked into 100 different offices, talked to people at the offices, and you didn't get presentations just by mistake, then there's something really wrong here. You know, just statistically, even if you did a bad job trying to get a presentation out of 100, you should have at least had a couple of presentations by now. So you want to look at your presentation really, really thoroughly. You want to look at your follow-up if you're doing it effectively or not. And then, you know, don't be afraid to ask for names and phone numbers too. A lot of these real estate agents, they don't mind giving out their numbers. It's not like private information. Sometimes you can just find it right on the website. So if you're going to go into an office, it might help researching a little bit. Google their name of the company, find their company website, see if they have an About Us page, a Contact Us page, maybe with a list of like office manager with phone number and email. It would be great to reach out to them proactively as a, hey, heads up, I'm going to be showing up to your office. I'd love to meet with you kind of a message and then after you leave as a follow-up like immediately after you leave hey it was so great meeting with you look forward to talking to you soon you know send them a text message and an email if you can and that way they'll have your contact information they won't have to go digging for it those are all you know really helpful things but the bottom line is to contact people and then continuously contact them don't worry about being annoying or irritating or whatever. You're offering these people a service that they need and they want to be able to have high quality real estate photography when, when they need it. You know, I mean, if you're incessantly nagging people like multiple times a day, multiple times a week, that might be a bit too much, but there's nothing wrong with some follow-up calls. And if someone gives you like, hey, yeah, I can't wait to, I'd love to get you in next week and you don't hear from them for like five days, six days, Go ahead and call them. If they said a week, then you should hear from them before then. If not, it could just because, you know, you got lost in the noise of whatever else is going on in their world. Okay, Calendly. For anyone interested, you could take a look at my Calendly page. It's calendly.com slash TV photography. Calendly, C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y. Calendly.com slash TV photography, T-V-P-H-O-T-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y. You can see my booking page. I have the Calendly page set up pretty simply. I split the event types up to what I call my base package, which has most of the services bundled into one and has the most options as far as add-on services are concerned. The base package is billed by the square foot, and it's split into a few different events, so 0 to 2,000 square feet, 2 to 3,000 square feet, etc. The different brackets there are more for time than anything else. The, the events, when you click on them, are identical. But what I tell people is if your listing is approximately 0 to 2,000 square feet in that range, please book that appointment because a 2,000-square-foot house will take less time to shoot than a 4,000-square-foot house, right? So when you select those events and book, it'll lock out the appropriate amount of time in the calendar. Then I have isolated services. I have photo only, twilight only, for example. I have the events set up on a round robin because I have a team set up with Calendly and I prioritize my photographer above me. So his calendar calendar will fill up first and then I'm only booked when he has a scheduling conflict. So what this does in Calendly is we have a team of people 
on the front end, on the consumer side of Calendly, when you click to book an appointment, you see a wide open calendar. Well, not always wide open, but, you know, let's say a couple weeks in advance, wide open usually. And then as appointments get booked within, you know, a week or two, you start to see days getting locked up. So people are seeing the mutual availability between me and my photographers. And what that means is a lot easier time scheduling people in. And the reason why I set it up on a round robin with the other people, with myself as the lowest priority, is because it protects my time. Uh, I, I have a little bit more time that I can spend in the office or, you know, I can just jump in and help people as the day goes on because, you know, sometimes unexpected things happen or people go, people get sick and I'm able to be flexible and uh, just kind of step in as needed. Or, you know, the photographers are getting booked up and then I'm getting the one, two, three, four appointments a day that other agents wouldn't have been able to book if I only had one calendar linked to one person, right? So I have the team calendar. It's, it's great to work that way. My scheduling, it just happens automatically by itself. Occasionally, I'll have to field calls, maybe swap some time or change some things around with people. But basically, my schedule just kind of makes itself with the agents coming in and booking appointments. It's, it's great. So that's how I try and keep my schedule open as open as possible. But, you know, unfortunately, these last few months, I'm still booked up like seven days a week anyway. So in theory, I'm supposed to have some more downtime. But in practice, you know... When you get busy, you get busy. I have the calendar set up so it checks uh, two of my Google calendars for conflicts, something that you can do pretty easily within Calendly. One is my company calendar, and one is my, air quotes, work calendar. (laughs) The company calendar, that is where the actual photo shoots are being booked, and then my work calendar are where non-photo shoot but work-related activities are being booked, and it's also where I throw in placeholders for, like, holidays, off time, family time, whatever I might be doing that I don't want to get booked. I just throw in a placeholder event on my work calendar. I do this so it doesn't show on my company calendar because, you know, everyone in the company can see the company calendar. So when it comes to actually confirming and booking the appointment, I have booking fees paid in advance at the time of booking, and that has been working out very well so far. I know that was kind of a new thing many podcast episodes ago, but it's just been so great to take payments up front. I'm actually considering upping the payment amount because it's $100 across the board for everyone. Some of my, for example, isolated services have flat rates, and I'm thinking about bringing it up to not just a booking fee, but to pay the full photography invoice in advance. It's a twinkle in my eye right now. I'm not sure if I'm ready to pull the trigger on that yet. But it's kind of getting irritating to do like $50, $100 invoices when they could have just paid it you know, already. We'll see what becomes of that. When the booking fee is paid and the event is confirmed, I also have Calendly send out automatic reminder text messages and emails before every photo shoot. One of the reminder emails, I think the 24-hour in advance one, even has instructions for preparing the listing for before the shoot. Some people like it, but most agents don't need it at all. But, you know, for those of you that are using Calendly, like yourself, Joseph, it might be helpful for you to leave, you know, a checklist in one of those emails and have a 
text message reminder go out. Most agents really don't need that, but there are some, there's some scatterbrains out there and they will really appreciate that, you know, two hours before the event, hey, your photo shoot's going to happen. Are you, is the, is the uh, lockbox on? Is the, whoever they're going to meet us ready to go? That could save you a lot of time waiting around at a property for the agent to show up because, you know, they got wrapped up doing whatever. So I also use Calendly's widgets. There's a place in your Calendly, Calendly page where you can copy some HTML code that you can put on your photography website. I use the button widget. So my website has a, it has like a book now button floating in the corner of the screen at all times. This is super helpful to, and it's really simple to integrate the Calendly calendar into your own website. So if you have any kind of a website where you can just copy and paste in some HTML code, I know you can do that in most like Squarespaces and Wix websites, uh, definitely on WordPress. It's really handy to have your own website and then to have that integration where you can just book the event right from your website. They don't have to go anywhere else. So for like an ancillary thing that I do with Calendly, I link it with my Zapier account so I can update all new bookings into my CRM. You know, we'll talk about CRM in in future episodes, most likely. I use it to update a new person or to add a new note in my CRM. So I'm tracking activity among my clients. And it adds a new person or updates a new person to my MailChimp emailing list. Like I said, I can talk about Zapier, CRMs, and MailChimp in other episodes. You know, if you get some more questions about those things, let me know and I can answer them specifically. But, you know, you can look forward to a full episode on on each of these kinds of tools in the future. Okay, let's talk about your uh, competition. So, you mentioned those other photography companies, real estate photography companies. And honestly, I wouldn't worry too much about competitors beyond what things you can learn from them that will help you out in your own business. So there's no need to have the cheapest offering. We were talking earlier about a company that offers what appears to be a huge bundle for very little money, but I actually looked them up and and went to their website and when you go and take a look at the list of services that they have for $150, it doesn't seem like it's as big as it actually looks. For example, one of the ones you mentioned, Joseph, uh, that company offered panoramas, 35 listing photos, which isn't really that much anyway. They offer to upload photos to MLS for the agent, and they offer listing websites. So panoramas are super easy to make takes a couple seconds 35 photos like i said it's not that many especially when you consider how you know a photographer that knows what they're doing that has all the gear ready to go and has a really really mature workflow you can bang that number of photos out very quickly you could take 35 photos in probably less than 30 minutes if you're if you're really moving Uploading photos to MLS takes two minutes. Many clients will still opt to do it on their own, even though I offer it to my clients as well. So, you know, I'll offer like, yeah, I'll upload your photos to MLS if you want me to. Most people don't even take me up on it. They just say, no, no, I got it. It's fine. The single property websites are template sites as well that can be put together in a couple of seconds too. And that's just a matter of using the right software, like a WordPress site with a real estate listing listing plugin. And there's probably some other solutions out there. You know, Joseph, what that means is that it wouldn't be too hard for you to offer the same things for very little additional expense 
Or perhaps, and what I think you should probably do, is you can improve on their ideas, on their offerings, offer something even better, and charge more for it. There's no reason to try and be the cheapest photographer in your marketplace. I mean, you could try, but you really should be selling your services on value, not on discounts. If you're the cheapest photographer in your marketplace, what's going to happen? Yeah, maybe a bunch of people are going to work with you just because you're the cheapest, but one, are you even going to sustain a life worth of living on that income? Are you even going to be able to have a high enough, I mean, even if you can have a high enough volume, how much is that going to cover your expenses? What's your profit margin going to be? Is it going to be so low that you'll be making, what, $10 an hour, $5 an hour? I mean, if you're working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it's not too bad, but you want to go out and live your life, right? You're not just a robot or a machine in an assembly line. I mean, I don't know, maybe that's how you want to live your life, but <laughs> but not me. And if you are the cheapest photographer, it's going to be really difficult for you to offer high-quality real estate photography services or any other kind of service for that matter. You're just not going to be able to afford it. You're not going to be able to afford the equipment or the level of service that you'd want to offer. Honestly, it's better to create a highly valuable product that people want to use that they're going to pay a little bit of extra money for because they appreciate the value than it is to create a highly discounted service. Because again, if the margins are so tight, what are you going to do if your camera drops off the tripod? Or say someone has a dog in the house, the dog gets loose and runs by your tripod and knocks the camera down a flight of stairs or smashes into a tile floor. What are you going to do then? If you're the cheapest photographer ever, you got no cash. Well, if you're me, you've got another camera in your bag. If you're me, you've got another camera in your Pelican case that you can just pop right on and keep on shooting. But if you can't even afford to have backup kits or if you can't even afford to have backup equipment, you know, you're going to be in more of a difficult situation if something like that happens. I mean, let's hope that it doesn't happen. We always hope that it doesn't happen. But over a long enough timeline, the odds of something going wrong eventually creep up towards 100%. It's going to be really difficult for you to guarantee 100% of the time for the rest of your career that I'm the cheapest photographer. My equipment will never fail. I'll never have to buy another $2,000 camera or $500 lens or $1,000 lens or whatever. I mean, depending on what you're shooting with, it could be way more expensive than even that, right? You want to have a profit margin that's not only going to help you live your life, but also help your business have a little bit better holding power or staying power through emergencies. Yeah, you can have insurance cover certain things, but insurance won't cover every single scenario. And even if it does, you still don't want to be cash poor in your business because it's going to limit you so, so bad. You're going to wish you never got into photography in the first place. You don't want to be one of those people that's working yourself to death. You're barely making any money and you're just not happy. And you're like, why am I doing this? I could make more money flipping burgers at McDonald's because no one wants to be there. When you're in business, it's about improving your quality of life, improving your income, improving the products and service offerings that's being offered to agents out in your community. It's about making things better for everyone. It's not really about being as cheap as possible. One more thing. Let's also bear in mind that for these photography companies that offer these dirt cheap services, 
this might be a loss leader product. So some companies will make a product that is priced so low, it's actually priced at a loss, meaning it's it's a break-even price or maybe even like a lose-money price, right? Like it costs them more money in payroll and and services for them internally to, to provide a product like that. But they will only do that to get clients to feel like that they're the best deal in town. And once you start adding on other services, which is what hopefully most clients will do if you're offering a loss leader, is that the clients will see the $150 price tag that will lure them in. Then the agents might be talked into going for a bigger ticket package or upsold on to adding on more things to bring the price up. So when you're doing photo shoots, this is something that I'll do all the time is upselling and not to be pushy, not to just scratch every dollar out of each client that I possibly can. But in certain situations, when I think that they might benefit from it, I'll let the agent know, hey, have you ever thought about drone for this one? Or, you know, this might be a great property for us to come back and do Twilight on. It would really look fantastic. Or, you know, this house is so beautiful. Have you thought about doing video? Would you be interested in doing something like that for an extra X dollars? We can do a video. And if you wanted to be in the video and talking about the property too, that you can do that for a little few dollars more. Not everyone will take you up on it, but if you have a habit of doing that, you'll find that people are like, oh, okay, your price is $200. That's my budget. Great. Then they show up and then you're like, hey, you know, this would be a great property for drone and floor plans. I don't know if you thought about it, but I could send you some samples and, and take a look. This this would really look good on this listing. And then they might say, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. That's a great idea. So they came in thinking they were going to pay 200 that that was their budget. And then they leave paying 350 400 whatever, whatever it might come out to be. That company might be doing the same thing. So just be aware that sometimes those ticket prices... And this is an age-old sales tactic, too. Walmart is really famous for that, like having the always low prices signs and then the, you know, it used to be X dollars and now it's this significantly cheaper price. Well, they'll leave things out to make it seem like it's a really good deal, but, you know, then there's all this other stuff packed in around it that psychologically we're thinking, wow, what a great deal all this stuff is when really you're paying the same rate that you'd pay anywhere else or maybe sometimes more. So the moral is don't waste too much time worrying about competitors and what they're offering. If you have a good product and great customer service, you will get clients that'll be loyal and they'll work with you exclusively. There's no shortage of real estate photographers in the world, and there's no reason why you have to be pressured or feel pressured that you need to be the cheapest one. There's no reason to do that. Just focus on doing as best job that you can. Offer as many products and services as you reasonably can. But you want to do a good job. You want them to be able to help the agents market and sell their property and keep them and their sellers happy. And, you know, once you find a way to reliably and consistently get new clients each month, then it's just a matter of time before you're so busy, you wish you could go back to the old days when you barely had any business And that day will come. It'll come sooner if you really, like I said earlier, break everything down to the ridiculous. Focus on each little thing that you might be doing. Ask yourself, why am I doing this and how can I do it better? If you ask yourself, why am I doing something and you cannot come up with an answer, you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe because of this or that. You're not 100% clear. 
then maybe you should be changing things up a little bit. And if you ask yourself, could I be doing this a little bit better? And the answer is yes. Well, then you know what to do. No more procrastinating on those little things that you know, well, maybe I should do it this way or that way or whatever. If, if you think that you found a better way to do something, start working on it right away because you never know what little change in your business is going to make a huge, huge impact. So you really want to focus on every single detail. Joseph, I hope this answered your questions. If not, let me know and we'll do a follow-up. For anyone interested in taking a look at some of Joseph's work, you can find his Instagram page at Miami Real Estate Images. Miami Real Estate Images, all spelt traditionally, no spaces or underscores or anything. I'm sure he'd appreciate some love from the full-time real estate photographer community. And if you, dear listener, have any questions of your own or you'd just like to say hello, you can find me on Instagram at Tom Vargeletis, T-O-M-V-A-R-G-E-L-E-T-I-S. Or you could email me at Tom at FTREphoto.com. Like I mentioned at the very beginning, I'm offering real estate photography coaching. And... It's not going to be for everyone. You have to meet some criteria, right? One, you have to be ready to invest in yourself. Two, you have to be coachable. There's a lot of people out there with a lot of money for coaching, but they don't want to take advice or no matter what you tell them, they want to run off and do their own thing. And, you know, that'll that'll be kind of wasteful. But if you're coachable, if you're ready to invest in yourself, in your education, your photography, and your photography business education, I offer coaching, which is where I work with you. What we do is we do a deep dive on every facet of your business, and we find ways to improve everything. Like I was talking about before, break everything down, every single detail to the ridiculous Ask yourself, why am I doing it? How can I improve it? I want you to work faster, smarter, and to make more money. And in coaching, I work with you on creating a customized plan for your business, for your business's success. And I provide accountability so you can actually get all of those things done. Remember how important that is. You could sit down and tell yourself, I want to do this, I want to do that. But when it comes time to action, what are you actually doing? Most of us just tend to go back to the same old routine that we've been doing since forever. I know when it came time for me to take the step to actually go into business, I procrastinated for way, way too long before I actually got my photography business off the ground. And I regret not having that accountability to keep myself on top of my schedule and my goals. I came up with this plan of what I wanted to do, and then I kind of sat on it for months and months and months, and all this time went by, all that money unmade. If you start six months later than you want to, then you're six months behind on everything, and it'll take you that much longer to reach those goals, those business goals, or those levels that you really wanted to reach. Running a business is not easy, and with so many things going on, so many tasks to manage, it can be beyond overwhelming. 
to not only keep up with the day-to-day work, but to also stay proactive on building your business and implementing systems that will help you to be more productive. And once you get busy enough to help manage your staff and to keep them productive too. This is an important thing to remember. Once you start getting a little bit busy, it's really easy to lose sight of those bigger goals. It's really easy to settle for good enough. That's why there are so few people who really hit the high, high levels of success because you can get to a point where you're kind of comfortable and a lot of people will plateau there because they don't feel the fire burning underneath their behinds to keep them moving forward. You know, because when you look around, you're like, yeah, I'm paying my bills. I'm living okay. Yeah, it's fine. And then you start to kind of let your ambitions slip a little bit. Well, that's one of the most dangerous mistakes you can make in business. What happens when the market shifts and you lose 30% of your clients? I mean, they don't disappear, but they lose business, right? When the real estate market crashes or some new law comes out in the industry that affects people's ability to do their business or money becomes a really tight issue, people might be more reluctant to call out their real estate photographers for every single listing like they used to, or they might not be getting listings at all. What are you going to do when you've been living one way for a long time and then it gets kind of flipped upside down or a big monkey wrench is thrown into your plans. It's going to cause a lot of stress and a lot of problems that you could have avoided just by staying on top of your business from the beginning. Most dangerous thing ever is to get complacent and comfortable because things can change in a moment. So I really love being able to help other real estate photographers grow their business That's what the podcast is about, that's what the book is about, and that's what the coaching program is about. So if you wanted to get that custom one-on-one interaction with me, helping you break through obstacles, hitting that next level of productivity in your business, please reach out. I'm available at both the email and the Instagram that I mentioned earlier, and you can also find that contact in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to hearing from you soon.